is a day to leave some things at the altar. Today is a day where some things are gonna get broken off of some people's lives. Today is a day where we're gonna move past some barriers and we're gonna move past some past beliefs. Today is a day to shake off some shackles. Today is a day that we came to encounter the living God and say, because of what happens today, my tomorrow is gonna be different than my yesterday. Today is a day to leave some things at the feet of Jesus. If you came here and you just wanted to go through something and you want your afternoon to look like what your morning looks like, you can do that. But I believe that there are some people who came with the intention, who came with the desire, who got up in spite of a time change and in spite of some snow on the ground and said, I have something that I need to leave at the altar. I have something that I need to leave at the feet of Jesus. I have something that's in my life right now that can't go into my tomorrow. If you came today and you said, I refuse to leave this space looking the way that I came in. I refuse to go into my lunch feeling like I felt at breakfast time. I refuse to walk into my tomorrow with the same burden and with the same heaviness. Then why don't you lift up a shout and say, I'm going to leave some things at the altar today. I'm going to lay down some things at the feet of Jesus. I came with an intention to find his face and to seek his face this morning. God, you are caught on my feet. I believe that God wants to do something today that he wants to do something in your life, that he wants to shift and to change where you've come from and what you have going on. And that today is a day to move past some barriers that have kept you bound. I don't really know where today's ending. Just so you know, we're gonna go on a journey together. The team was asking me beforehand, where are we, how are we gonna end, what are we gonna do? And I was like, <laughs> I don't know but I know how we're starting. Well, at least mostly. Um, there's a woman, a girl up here. You have like real pretty hair. You're sitting like you're sitting by this guy and then you're right here in the front row. Yep, and that lady just pointed at you. Yep, yes, you. What's your name, love? Sorry. Leah? It's nice to meet you, Leah. I just wanted you to know when I was sitting down here and I looked up and I saw you, I just felt like God said that today is for you. And don't miss the moment today, okay? That today's for you, Leah, and I'm glad that you're in the house. Justin Krolak, will you come down here? Is Justin in here? Oh, he's in class, of course, where he should be. Okay, well, you guys can tell him this later then. This, so there's a part in my message today where I'm gonna talk about social barriers. And I don't like to give away my message, but when I was sitting there, I heard God say Justin's name to me and say that he needs to pay attention to the part of social barriers. You guys can pay, give it to him later. And that his social barrier is his age and to push against the crowd and the wave of his age and not believe that he's limited by his space and his age and his time, but to go after everything that God puts on the inside of him. Amen. God, we thank you for Justin's life. I thank you that he's in youth right now being poured into. And I thank you for his incredible parents. 
in Karen and in Charlie, God. And I ask you for wisdom for them. I ask you for your unction of the Holy Spirit over his life. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Awesome. Hey, you can be seated right where you are. How great did Tracy do last week bringing a message about Jesus and the loaves and the 5,000 and feeding everyone. I am so grateful. Like Phil said, we took a little bit of a hodgepodge trip, a little bit of work stuff. We took the boys with us, did a little bit of family stuff, got to be in a service somewhere. And I'm so grateful for people like Tracy who are willing to grow in their gifts and step into the space. And I'm willing, and I'm so grateful for a church like you who continually makes space for that and cheers people on in their gifts and is willing to grow and is willing to hear from multiple voices. I'm really excited about today's message as we continue in our series for the one. So why don't you turn with me to the book of Luke where we are sitting in over the next several weeks and you can turn to chapter 11. We're gonna find Jesus in a very familiar scenario, once again, being invited to come sit at a table with some people. This is in Luke 11, starting in chapter 37, I believe. Luke 11, 37. Luke 11, starting in chapter 37, it says, and while Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. And so he went in and he reclined at the table. And the Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. Now I need to pause here. And on behalf of Jesus, defend his name before you to let you know that this is not, he did not wash before dinner as in he was unsanitary. This is a ritual ceremonial washing that the Pharisees loved to go through, that Jesus did not go through this ceremonial practice. Some of your translations probably even say the ceremonial washing. And the Pharisee was astonished that he did not go through the ceremonial washing. And the Lord said to him, now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and of wickedness. And then he comes for him, you fools. Well then, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give alms to those things that are within and behold everything is clean for you. Jesus, we thank you for your word. And I thank you that it is living, that it is active. I thank you that it has application and relevance for us today. And God, I thank you for what you have showed to me and what you have revealed to me. And I ask you to help it come out clearly today. God, I just speak over this room that barriers are about to be broken off of people's lives. God, I speak over this room, God, that some things are being left in this space and in this place. God, I thank you that you are gonna shift us, that you are gonna move us, that you are gonna change us, and that you are gonna transform us because of what happens here today. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen, amen. Do you all know that Phil runs marathons? Well, he has run a marathon is more what I should say. And he is currently training for his second marathon. So later this year, I will be able to say that Phil runs marathons. But last year, he ran his very first marathon. 
26.2 miles completed by this guy right here. Oh, I was gonna clap for that. I think that's very impressive because I have never run 26.2 miles in my life and I have no intention of running 26.2 miles in my life. But last year he ran his very first marathon and um, we went out, I went with the boys. I wanna tell you what was happening while he was running, what was happening with me and with the boys while he was on this run, which is that you have to get up very early in the morning stupid early in the morning to go out to run a marathon. And so Phil gets up crazy early in the morning and I get up and I'm getting the boys ready and we're gonna go so we can cheer Phil on at his marathon. Actually, I should tell you the story of even how I got to the marathon because, now this is gonna sound dumb, but I have been in church a really long time. And I have spent a lot of time in church. And my whole family is in church. And all that we do is ministry. And so we were out to lunch one day and we were with some friends before the marathon. And Phil was getting ready to run his marathon. And they're also pastors. And they also are in ministry together. And the husband also runs marathons. You can see why we hang out with these people. So we're sitting there and we're talking about Phil running his very first marathon and we're asking, oh, what is it like? And da, da, da. And the wife says to me, oh, and do you have signs and stuff ready that you're gonna like take the kids out with and cheer him on? And I say back to her, what was my plan at the time? Because the race was on a Sunday morning. And so I say to her with my, I've been in ministry and in church my entire life. Oh, it's on a Sunday. I'll probably be at church. And she says, now, I don't know if you know this, but running a marathon is a very big deal. And she, with her very sweet self, goes, oh, okay, and smiles, and the conversation moves on. But I logged in the back of my mind that, oh, and I thought, I am making the wrong life decision. And I left that space and I was like, we need to make a new plan. And I figured out someone amazing to be here and be with you all on that Sunday so I could go and cheer my husband on on his marathon. And can I just say, I've been thinking about that moment over the last little bit and I've been thinking about other scenarios in my life. And one of the things that God has been showing me about my particular path and journey and leadership is that I haven't had to have a lot of hard, clear directions directive correction because I have learned the art of paying attention to the subtle and paying attention to what's happening in something. I have learned to adjust my life to the little, along the way. And I go, oh, Oh, let me, let me bring myself. And some of you would not have to have so many confrontational conversations and would not have to have so many harsh directives and would not have to have so much clear, painful correction if you would just learn to pay attention to the little, oh, in your leader's directives. And because of this blessed woman's little, oh, 
in my life, I found myself preparing my boys and myself to go to this race to cheer on my husband for his very first completion of 26.2 miles here at the Glass City Marathon. So we get up and we are all in the car and I have planned out my course and I have planned out my plans. It actually worked out amazing part of the track was going to go right near my parents' house. So I was like, this is great news. I'm going to get all three of my little kids ready. We're going to go to my parents' house. We're going to hang out there. They'll be able to eat. We'll go out and we'll cheer Phil on right as he passes by. And then maybe we'll go to the finish line. Excellent. Ready. I'm in the car. I'm driving. I go. I know where I'm going. We have plenty of time. I've given myself plenty of margin. I am driving down the road. I go to turn where I normally turn to get to my parents' house. And there is is orange barricades everywhere. And there are police officers with flashing lights going, not this way. And I'm like, I just, sorry, I think I can talk my way through it. And I'm like, I just, it's just around there. And they're like, nope, not today, ma'am, this way. And I'm like, So I'm like, it's no big deal. I know another way to get to their house. There's a back route that I can go. I can go in the back route, go through that. And we'll just have to go like down a little side street. So I zoom around. I go down there. I'm going down the back road. I turn down that bed. Barricades. Police officers. Barriers. And I'm like, no. Now I'm starting to get a little bit stressed, but I'm like, that's okay. There's one more way that you can get there. It's just the long way. We back out. We go the long way around. I come back in that way. I'm heading down the street. It is clear. And I'm like, we're making it. We are making it this time. We're going down the street, going down the street, going down the street just before the intersection that I know I need for my final turn. There are more barricades and police officers and flashing lights saying, not this way. By this point on this holy Sunday morning, I am not feeling very holy. I am not feeling very in control of myself. I am very frustrated. I am at my absolute wit's end because I have gotten all of my kids ready and I am coming to cheer my husband on on this very important moment in his life. But I am now sitting in the middle of the road, banging on the steering wheel and yelling. And of course, my three-year-old's like, mommy, what's wrong? There's people starting, is that daddy? I'm like, <sighs> everything is falling apart. So I fling my car into a parking lot. I unload everyone, get everyone in the car or in the stroller. We have a big double jogger stroller. I get two little kids in that stroller, all of the snacks underneath, because when you are traveling with children, you always have snacks. And then I put the older kid just like on the front and I'm just like, hold on to the stroller. We go down the road. I'm now tracking where Phil is because I am on an alternate plan on an alternate route, but I am determined to make it here to cheer him on, on this intersection. So now I am not in the race. I am not in race clothes. I am not prepared for this moment, but here I am running down the road with my three children in this giant jogger stroller in the opposite direction of all of the actual runners trying to get to an intersection, one of the passing points, so we can hold up our little signs that the boys have scribbled all over illegibly and clap for Phil when he finally walks by. It is exhausting and frustrating. And I don't know if there is a more 
frustrating feeling in life than needing to get somewhere and there being a barrier preventing you from getting to the place that you need to get to. From being in a space and knowing there is something on the other side and I need that thing or I'm meant to get to that thing or I have to have access to that thing but there, there's this thing that's preventing me. There's this barrier between me and where I'm trying to get to. I hate that feeling. It makes everything on the inside, it makes my jaw tight and my teeth grit and it makes my whole body get tense and my muscles tighten up because I just am trying to get to what's on the other side of this Thing, and I found myself in this space, not for the first time and not for the last time, where I couldn't seem to get where I needed to be. Despite how many times I rerouted and despite how many times I tried, I just couldn't get there. And in life, we face all kinds of barriers. We face physical barriers like these ones I faced on this day. Physical walls holding us in spaces. We face physical barriers that say you can only come this far and no further. Phil and I did long distance dating for a good part of our relationship. And during that time, we physically had a barrier of space, of ocean, of ground, of immigration that would not allow us to be in the same space. And it was exhausting and it was frustrating. There are physical barriers that keep us where we are and that prevent us from moving into a space that we could be in. And some barriers are there to protect us. When I go to the zoo, I'm super grateful for the barrier that prevents the tiger and myself from being in the same space. And there are barriers that we've made out of our own decisions. There are barriers that physically keep us because of the choices that we have made for ourselves. There are barriers like those of us who find ourselves in prison or incarcerated and there is a physical barrier between you and between the rest of the world because of decisions you have made that now find you in a, split, in a space that is, that is constraining and refining and holding and keeping you in a boundary that you cannot move outside of. It's why I'm so grateful for teams like our prison ministry team that say to people, you can't get to the other side of this boundary. So let us come inside this barrier for you so that we can speak hope to you, so that we can speak truth to you, so that we can speak the gospel and the message of Jesus to you, so that despite the barrier that you find yourself held by, you can still experience growth and transformation in the name of Jesus. And don't we love people who are willing to cross over a boundary on behalf of somebody else? People who are willing to step inside a barrier that they don't have to be on the inside of and say, I decided to cross this barrier for you. And I decided to cross this barrier on your behalf. I wanted to come into this space with you. We love it when people cross a barrier for somebody. 
And there are social barriers that we encounter in our life. A social barrier is a little bit more difficult to define. I know when I'm being held by a fence. I know when a police barricade has lined up and said, not this way, ma'am. But a social barrier in our society, there are cultures that, and societies where social barriers are very clear, where they exist inside a caste system that says you were born at this marking and this is the marking that you will live at and you will not move upward or downward or any way between because this is the social space that you have been born. Our social system, though we definitely have social classes and though we don't definitely have social expectations, our social norms and our social barriers that we create are not quite as clear as all of that. Our social norms in our culture and in our society are more defined by the general move and the general sway of the crowd and how easy it is to be caught up in the wave of the direction of where the crowd is moving which way the crowd is pushing and which way the crowd is pulling and which directive the crowd wants to lean into and social norms sometimes subtly slide in and it's hard for us to understand them and know them before we know it we've been swept away and we haven't moved in the direction of our purpose and we haven't moved in the direction of our promise and we haven't moved in the direction of everything that God has for us because the whole of the crowd has kept pushing us in a different direction. I remember years ago, I would go to uh, like ministry leadership training conferences, conferences where I learned so much and conferences where so much was put in me and was imparted into me. And I would get the schedule and I'd look at the schedule and I'd be like, oh, 2 p.m. sessions after lunch, 2 p.m. session, we have in conference room A, preaching. And in conference room B, session for wives. And I'd be like, where am I supposed to be at 2 p.m.? Because the undertow of the crowd right now is communicating to me that the preaching session is not for me, is communicating to me that the direction of the crowd says that that's not a direction that is for me. And it wasn't always intentional and it wasn't always a directive. It wasn't a line that said you're not allowed in this space. It's just that the move of the crowd was headed in one direction and required an intentional decision that said, even though the move of the crowd is moving in that direction, I hear the voice of Jesus moving in a different direction. And I feel the call of his promise pushing in a different direction. And how much do we love when we see someone who breaks out from the crowd, someone who was willing to push past the pull of the social barriers in their life. Those of you who have said, I know that the social barrier of the society and of the social restraints that I feel in my life say that everyone from our people are always renters, but 
I decided to push in a different direction. And when I decided to push in a different direction, I found out that I had land ownership on the inside of me, that everyone in my family didn't graduate even from high school, but I decided that there was a doctorate on the inside of me. And so I started pushing in the opposite direction of the crowd, even though the crowd wanted to pull me this way and wanted me to settle for less. And even though the crowd said, you'll never make it. And even though the crowd said, don't waste your time on all that. And even though the crowd said, it's not worth it anyways, just get somewhere where you can start making some money. I felt something on the inside of me and you kept pushing in the opposite direction of the crowd. And you walked across a stage and you watched them hand you a diploma that people said you would never get because you were willing to push against the directive of the crowd. That there are those of you who have grown up in a crowd and in a circle and in a sphere that says your goal in life is to accumulate as much wealth as you possibly can, to achieve as much worldly success as you possibly can, but you felt the call of Jesus on the inside of you saying, but what happens if you give it away to those who are in need? What happens if you turn around? And so you said, even though I could live at this level, I've decided to live at this level so that someone who would only have been able to live at that level is able to live at this level. And I gave all that I had because you pushed against the social norm and the social. I think about a woman, a woman who was sick for 12 years, a woman who was bleeding for 12 years and had all kinds of social barriers and had all kinds of social boundaries that said, you're not allowed to come in this space and you're not welcome in this place. I think about a woman who sat in a window and watched Jesus walking by in the street and despite the fact that the crowd was moving around him and despite the fact that the crowd was circling on the inside of him she said there's something on the inside of me that says if I can just get to him if I can just get to that space if I can just get to that place I know what the social norms are I know the social norms say I have to sit here in this room and I know what the social norms are I know that the social norms say I shouldn't be seen out in the street and I can see that the crowd doesn't want me there and I can see that the crowd hasn't invited me there and I can see that the crowd hasn't asked me to come into this place but there was something on the inside of her that said but if I could just crawl through the crowd if I could just push past this moment if I can just get close to Jesus if I could just touch the hem of his garment and she found herself grabbing hold of Jesus and she found a miracle working on the inside of her and she found what was holding her being released from her because she was willing to push past the crowd and when the whole crowd was there and the whole crowd was next to Jesus and the whole crowd was close to Jesus it was only her touch that made him say something has left me it was only her touch that made him turn and look at her and say woman who touched me I felt virtue leave on the outside of me. Perhaps the miracle that you're praying for and the miracle that you're waiting for and the thing that you need is on the other side of the crowd, is on the other side of the wave of the social pull that wants to push you in one direction. Like a woman willing to push through the crowd, 
When was the last time you abandoned the crowd and went after your pursuit of Jesus because the pull of the social barriers in your life will keep you in a place and will prevent you in a place. And as strong as they are and as heavy as the tide pulls and as much as they drag you back from where you came from, even stronger than the physical barriers of our life and even stronger than the social barriers of our life are the mental barriers of our life. The stories that we tell ourselves and the words that are inside our head. The things that we say to us when no one else is saying anything to us. There is something that you say about you that holds you where you are. There is something that you believe about you that keeps you in a place. There's a story in the Old Testament about these guys who had a promise from God about the land that they would possess. And Moses sends them into the land to see all that God has given them. And when they come out, they say to Moses, we were like grasshoppers in our own eyes, in our own mind, the thing that we thought about ourself, the thing that we believed about ourselves, was that we were too small and was that we were too insignificant, was that we were too weak to overcome. We know that God said that it's our land, but the mental barrier that they had in their mind of who they were and what they were capable of kept them in the wilderness instead of moving them into the promised land. And I like to read scripture and I like to look in hindsight at the stories that we read with accusation and be like, those crazy fools, they missed it. But the truth is, I have stories that I tell myself as well. The truth is that for me, working and living and leading in a space where I grew up, I often find myself feeling just like them. I walk through these hallways sometimes and I remember being nine years old in this hallway and I feel like I'm nine again. I step on this platform and I feel like I'm 15 years old again, given a devotional at youth camp. And I feel like I don't have enough and I feel like I haven't learned enough. And I have a story, a mental barrier inside my own mind that says you're too young and you're not big enough and the last 20 years hasn't been enough to bring you the stories that we tell ourselves become the mental barriers of the life that we restrain ourselves in and I have to continually fight the lie that says I'm still small and I'm still insignificant. My counselor one time told me one of the best things I have ever learned in my entire life. She said, I want you to hear me very clearly. Everything your brain tells you is not true. And it's so powerful because we think because our brain thought it, then it must be true. 
We think because a thought comes to us, then that must be accurate. We think because we believed something or because somebody said something to us and we let it take plant in our heart and in our mind and because we've rehearsed it enough and because we've said it enough and because I thought it, I started accumulating facts that would back up the lie that I've believed about myself. We think that because we thought that thing, then it must be true and it creates a mental barrier in our life that though the physical barriers aren't there and even though the social barriers aren't restraining in this space anymore, there becomes a mental barrier in our mind where we hold ourselves in a prison of our own thoughts. It's why Paul said in Romans 12, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your, of your soul, of your spirit, of your body, of your habits, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the renewing of your thoughts, so that you can test what is true and what is acceptable, so that you have the power, the ability, the foundation from a transformed place to go back and to say, I have decided that I now have a fresh filter for determining what is true in my life. I'm not gonna be held by these lies anymore. And I'm not gonna be held by these barriers anymore. And I'm not gonna be held by the mental barriers of my life anymore because I am going to break out into the truth of what it is that God has said about me. And we live in this human experience of walking through life, trying to get from where I am to where I need to be. And there are physical barriers that are keeping us. And there are social barriers that are keeping us. And there are mental barriers that are preventing us. And Jesus knew all of this because he knew what it was to be human. And then he goes and he has dinner with these Pharisees. And they want to come in and they want to practice this ceremonial washing. And you cannot tell me that Jesus did not practice this by accident. He knew exactly what he was doing when he skipped the line as they went over to their dish with their purified water and they passed it from their non-dominant hand to their dominant back and forth three, four times. And then they went and sat at the table and Jesus just said, I'll pass on that. And went and sat down at the table. And then the Pharisee has the nerve to ask him. And the reason that this becomes another barrier is because this was not even part of the law of Moses. They had enough restrictions and they had enough laws to, to abide by because God had given them a written law for them to follow, which became a pathway for them, for him to show to them how he wanted to be in covenant relationship with them, but how they could never achieve it on their own. And there was a ton of things that these people had to do, but this wasn't even part of that. As if all of that wasn't enough, the Pharisees had this oral tradition, this extra thing that they wanted to add on top of everything so that they could be even more holy so that they could prove that they were even more worthy to sit at the special table 
and to be seen out front and to invite Jesus to come and sit at their table, the new teacher in town. They added extra things so that they could prove to all the commoners how you can try all you want, but there is a level of holiness that you will never be able to achieve because it's on the other side of this barrier. It's on the other side of the extra secret hidden traditions that we keep just for ourselves. And the Pharisee has the nerve to ask Jesus about it. The audacity to say, I notice that this barrier that we keep, that you don't keep it too. And it set Jesus off. He goes off on all of the ways that they are concerned about their appearances and all of the ways that they are concerned about the way that they look and all of the ways that they are concerned about the way that other people see them, but they haven't done the most important thing because the outside of their life looks clean and the outside of their life looks prestigious and the outside of their life looks adorned, but on the inside, it's still a filthy cup. They haven't gotten the point. On the inside, it still hasn't been renewed and refreshed and restored with the message of who he is, with the revelation of compassion, with the revelation of his love, with the revelation of what the point and the intention of all the laws was, which was to draw them closer to Jesus, not to create barriers and separations for themselves. And he goes off on six woes to to them about all of the ways And in the middle of it, this lawyer has the nerve to jump in and is like, hey, Jesus, all these things you're saying to the Pharisees, it kind of offends me as well. And I'm like, bro, you should have stayed out of it. Because Jesus goes, since you brought it up, you lawyers as well. Woe to you. And he keeps going on and on because Jesus is furious and he's frustrated that they have taken what was supposed to be a gift to them to encounter God and they have made it something to separate them from other people. They have made it a barrier now from people coming to the table and they have made it a barrier from people experiencing God and they have made it a barrier from people walking into the place of holiness because they were more concerned with what they looked like than what was happening on the inside. And we do it too. I think that every woe to the Pharisee is an invitation to us to self-examine. I know that you look good on the outside, but the way that you handle relationships is chaotic and it's self-serving instead of other serving I know that you look good on the outside, but the way that you run that business steps on and over other people on the way to making your success. You have missed the point, woe to you, because you have missed the point. It looks good on the outside, but on the inside, it is still broken, it is still bruised, it is still dirty, it has not been transformed, and it does not look more like Jesus. And Jesus is going off on them because they haven't grasped yet. What they love about Jesus is that he's a teacher 
of the law like them. What they love about Jesus is that he is versed in how to interpret the scripture. What they love about Jesus is that he shows up at the temple. And I don't want you to miss this, that when Jesus shows up at the temple, he shows up and he teaches in a way that is so skilled and is so intriguing and is so understood that it captures the attention of those who are in leadership roles and it captures the attention of those who had been versing and studying the scripture for their entire life. Jesus himself is, of course, perfect theology. He is the perfect revelation of the Father and he is the person that the Holy Spirit guides us to be in relationship with and to look more like under Understanding Jesus is a perfect revelation of theology, but in his human form, Jesus studied the word and he found a way to present it in a skilled fashion. Whatever God has given you to do, study it in a way to present it in a skilled way, to excel in the thing that you do, to be invited to sit at tables, to be invited to come up into places that you would not have been in. It's not because they didn't know about him. They loved about him the way that he taught the scripture so much that they wanted him to come and to sit at their table. What they didn't understand about him was once he got to the table, he had every intention of disrupting the way that they had done things. He had every intention of turning the way that they had done things upside down. They lived their lives by the barriers and by the rules that they could create. They lived their lives by the lines that they could draw and by the barriers they could build between them and between someone else. They defined their holiness by the barriers of what they kept and what they didn't keep and who they associated with and who they didn't associate with. And they hadn't grasped about Jesus yet that he came to break every single barrier. They hadn't grasped about Jesus yet that he hates the barriers that keep people out of the presence of God. They hadn't quite grasped about Jesus yet that the barriers were the very things that he came, that when he came, he had broken a barrier and he said, you can't get out of this mess that you have locked yourself in. Your decisions keep leading you down paths of sin and your decision keeps leading you down paths of brokenness and the decisions that you're making keep leading you into places of restriction and restraint and barriers and keeping you from the presence of God and you can't get out by yourself so I'm just gonna come and step right in to the midst of that place I'll step over the barrier on your behalf of time and of space and of heaven and on earth and I'll get right in the midst of it with you and while I'm here in the midst of it I have some more barriers that I want to break for you I want you to know that I'm revealing all of what the law was and you now see it in perfect form and you can leave that old thing and you can walk into this new thing. He said, Lazarus, Lazarus got in a grave. I've got a barrier that I'd like to break for you. Death is under my feet and death moves at the sound of my voice. I'm not moved by that barrier. By the way, Lazarus, come on up out of there. Come on up out of your grave and come up on out of your grave clothes. You don't have to walk around like that anymore. The barrier of the earth, the barrier of the weather. You feel restricted by the path of the waves and the storms that keep walking. He said, it's not a big deal. I came to break every barrier. Wind, be quiet. Waves, be quiet. Turmoil, be still. 
motion, chaos, be still at the sound of his voice. He said there's a big curtain that hangs and it hangs in the temple and it's a symbol of the presence that is held back and only a few are able to enter in and only a couple ever get to experience it. And it's only if they keep the right laws and they keep the right barriers and they walk in the right spaces. And he said, let me tell you something. When they crucify me on that cross and I go into that grave, you are about to see the final barrier split open from heaven to earth. I am breaking down every barrier and the presence of who I am is about to flood the earth and the presence of who I am is about to pour out in something new and the presence of who I am all the way from heaven and all the way to every person who will lift a hand and lift a voice and say, I want to experience all of who God is is pouring out on my people. There are no barriers left. He said, I am the barrier breaker. I came to break every barrier that keeps you from the presence of God. He said, I am the barrier breaker. I came to break every barrier that keeps you in bondage. I am the barrier breaker. I came to break you out of every sin. And I came to break you out of every bondage. I came to break every physical thing that keeps you from the presence of God. And I came to break every social thing that keeps you from the barrier of God. And I came to break every mental thing in your mind that keeps you from experiencing the presence of God. He came to break every he is the barrier-breaking God. And we are a church that exists to tear down barriers that prevent other people from experiencing the presence of who God is. We are a church that is finding ways to go to where people are, that is finding ways to send out the message of who Jesus is. When people feel like they can't get here physically, we are finding ways to get to them. Just this last week, Phil and I and, and Phil and I recorded, and we have two members who recorded in Spanish, devotionals that we're sending out in digital platforms where people can access them, that will walk them through a salvation plan. Because though they may never physically come into this space, we believe that the presence and the message of Jesus can get to where they are. We are moving in those spaces. We are getting to where people are. And what we have to ensure is that we never become like the Pharisees and say it has to look like this and it has to be done in this way. And you have to walk with them for this long or you have to look like I look or you have to sound like I sound. No, there are no barriers to experiencing his presence anymore because there are people running through life just trying to get home to their father's house. And they keep running into orange barricades. And they're so desperate to get there that they turn and they try again. And they keep finding more barricades of how someone told them you have to be to come to Jesus. Or when someone told them you have to show up. Or what it means to be a Jesus follower. And Jesus saying, you're doing it again. Tear down every barricade.
and just bring them to me. Just bring them to my presence. Just bring them home. Just bring them to the plate. Don't clean up the outside of the dish first. Bring them to me. Bring them to me and let me worry about the inside. When I get the inside clean, when I get the inside sorted out, the outside will take care of itself in time. Just bring them to me. Father God, I pray over this church. I pray over your people. I pray over this house. God, that this would be a house where your presence resides. That we would be a people that tear down every barrier. That we would be a people who leave open paths to your presence. Open paths to your presence, Jesus. God, we're sorry for every time and every way we create new things for people to jump through or to fight past. Show them to us. God, create in us pure hearts, fresh hearts. God, I thank you that you are showing names and faces to people right now of who you want them to go reach, who you want them to go share the message of your goodness with. God, I thank you for what you're doing. Bless your name, God. Thank you, Jesus. And before we leave today, we're going to pray a prayer for anyone who wants to step into a relationship with Jesus, for anyone who wants to say yes to a life of following Jesus, who says, I thought there were a lot of barriers that I had to jump past, or I thought there were a lot of boundaries that I had to move past. But if I can come just like I am, I'm kind of a mess. But if I can come just like this, let me come right now. Let me come today. Let me be welcomed into his presence. We're going to pray that prayer all together right now. If you could stand to your feet, if you're able. I just want to honor what God is doing in this moment. I want to honor what he's doing in people's lives. You can repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I come to you now. And I'm kind of a mess. But I want to live life with you. I invite you into my life. And I say yes to following you. Help me live more like you. Help me experience all that you have for me. I thank you for your death, your burial, and your resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen.